This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, (laughs) Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired October 30th, 2006. The title then was Podcast, Does Your Employer Own You? And this is the uh, original, <clears throat> excuse me, original description. Jim Stroud and Karen Madden yak, yak, and yak some more on a hodgepodge of topics. Here are some of the highlights. Is it ethical to recruit six-year-old strippers? <laughs> when will recruiter dolls hit the marketplace? Shout out to Job Syntax. What's wrong with my calling your company and recruiting all of your people? Jim Stroud sings and it is a terrible thing. Does your company own you? If so, how far can they go in protecting their investment? Fake schools, the diplomas they sell, and how to spot them. The cons of recruiting from blogs. Jim digs video resumes, but Karen poo-poos them. Karen shouts, attention resume writers, objectives are evil. And Jim says, the best shows on television are on my DVR. Tune in to hear what we talked about way back in October 30th, 2006, right after this special message. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage, and what Practive Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always going to use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. We are-
Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Whenever I'm on the phone with my good friend Karen Madden, I always wish I had a uh, tape recorder going because we get into so many uh, interesting topics, especially when it comes to recruiting and especially when it comes to ethics in recruiting. Well, I decided to do just that and record a couple of phone conversations I had with Karen and post them in this segment that I'm calling He Said, She Said. So uh, if you would, check it out. Let me know what you think and hear from you soon. Here in the Critters Lounge, once again, I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and with me is the lovely and talented and super-duper smart Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on again. No problem. I had to call you and I read this, this article. so bizarre. I'm about to put it on my blog in a second here, but... Let me just sort of sort of read off to you. The title of, of the article that I saw is really a news story. It says, U.K. supermarket chain recruiting the strippers of tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought that the word recruiting was stuck out to me, but when I read the context of the article, I thought it was a gag, but it was uh, really true. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Um, it says, Tesco, uh, which is, I guess, the supermarket chain uh, in the U.K., uh, has been forced to remove a double pole dancing kit from the toys and games section of his website after it was accused of destroying children's innocence. The uh, Tesco Direct site advertises the kit with the words, quote, Unleash the sex kitten inside. Simply extend the peekaboo pole inside the tube. Slip on the sexy tunes and away you go. Soon you'll be flaunting into the world and earning a fortune in peekaboo dance dollars. Uh, this kit costs uh, 49 pounds. I don't know what that is in American dollars. But uh, it's, it's composed of uh, a chrome pole extendable to 8 feet, a sexy dance garter, and a DVD uh, demonstrating suggestive dance moves. Now, uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, going on reading this article, of family campaigning group Family Focus said yesterday that the kit would destroy children's lives. He said Tesco was Britain's number one chain, which is extremely dangerous. There's an open invitation to turn the youngest children on to sexual behavior. This will be sold to four-, five-, and six-year-olds. This is the most dangerous toy that will contribute towards destroying children's innocence. Now, the article goes on and says some other things, but what struck, what struck me as sort of odd is that why do you have to tell people you can't sell a do-it-yourself uh, nudie bar pole kit to four, to four five, and six-year-old children? I mean, why do you have to tell people that? What, what do you, what's your take on that? You know, I know this is like totally unrelated to recruiting in no, a sense. No, it's not but. because I just I just love what you said just now. Why do we have to tell people what's right and what's wrong? It's basically what you had said to me earlier. Mm. I mean, I guess the argument on this would be, oh, shouldn't we have the freedom to do free enterprise? Isn't that what everybody always argues about? We should have free enterprise. You know, that's what America is made up about: freedom of speech, freedom of rights, freedom of this, freedom of that. I guess that's what that's supposed to be about. It's all free enterprise, isn't it? Let's mm. go ahead and contaminate our kids. Well, I think you got to put the word responsibility in there somewhere. Uh-huh. I mean, like like freedom of speech or freedom of happiness, whatever. Uh, you you got to be able to put the word responsible in there somewhere. Okay, you got to no. be responsible in how you Re- do things. Okay, I mean, okay. Let's use that dreaded word that everybody hates. Ethics. <laughs> I didn't see that say, one coming. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Ethics, 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 ethics. Everybody, I said it. Ethics. 
Okay. Right. What do I look at as ethics? Now, I've got a huge argument going on on the Electronic Recruiters Exchange about mm-hmm. getting the word ethics. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness this year it seems that there's a large stance of people who are saying we do want ethics. And there's a large stance. So there's still a small number of people out there screaming and saying ethics are personal. They're subjective. They're objective. You know, there's a lot of ethicists out there saying we should be able to determine what ethics are because it's all personal. It's up to you. You should not have ethics in, this, um, in business or et cetera. I want to come back to this now. Ethics in business is not the same as personal ethics. And, yes, we do have a responsibility, not just to our business but to the community. Okay, you sound kind of, you sound kind of preachy there, but I do agree with what you're saying. I'm sorry if I sound no, 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 it's, that's good. Not. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I mean, ethics is important, but I want to. This is recruiters' lounge. So let me try to spin this around a little bit to okay. make it somewhat interesting for recruiters. Okay. Uh, another thing that struck me as interesting about this is that uh, this toy was promoting a particular industry. Mm-hmm. You know, not an industry that I would have so support, um, especially um, being a father now of a little girl. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it did bring to mind that. You don't see this type of uh, toy or product, per se, um, for the recruiting industry. Obviously. You know, now, if, if now, we were to have a recruiting doll, what would it be like? <laughs> you know, there was a recruiting doll out. I think uh, Gretchen Ledgard from Job Syntax, which is a great site, jobsyntax.com, mm-hmm. she showed me um, this doll. I think Yahoo Hot Jobs had a promotional mm-hmm. that um, had like a little – Barbie and Ken doll recruiter set thing. It was, it was really cool. And I sort of wanted it, but it was, you know, you had to be there at the career fair or wherever it was. They were giving away and you uh-huh. missed out on it. But wouldn't it be it's sort of interesting if you could see that inside of a toy store, inside your local KB Toys or Walmart or whatever. But there's not really any marketing for the next generation of recruiters any kind of way. You know, you don't really see um, – you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? You know, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a recruiter. You don't hear that. I mean, what can we do to sort of... Well, let's go back to this ethics. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. You, you, you strayed me off of ethics. Cause I was going to bring it to recruiting. Okay, okay well, well, really back into recruiting. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, let's bring it back to recruiting, okay? All right. And we're going to bring back to the recruiting doll and center, okay? Mm. Okay, let's look at what you were just saying here. There is nobody who wants to grow up to be a recruiter. Kind of interesting because, I mean, considering how much money we make and et cetera, the fact is is that recruiting is still today not looked completely as one of the professional industry as it used to be. Hmm. I mean, there used to be a time when you could hold your head high and say, I'm a headhunter, or I'm an employment consultant, or I'm a recruiter. And people used to go, wow, cool. Today, I hire you up the head and I like, go, I'm a recruiter. Oh, that's, yeah. that's not the case always, because, I mean, I hear some, you know, people are, you know, I guess they're proud of being recruited. I mean, it's, it's an honorable profession. It's an honorable profession on the most part. Problem is, you know as well as I do that there's times when you pick up the phone and you call someone and say, I'm a recruiter, and they go, click. Well, that okay. could be because they've already been called by several other recruiters and they don't want to hear any more of the just rude. boring, continual pitch, or they just don't want to deal with the problems that recruiters have done. You've heard the horror stories. You've heard the people saying, hey, I've been assaulted by a recruiter where they took my information and put it out there on the World Wide Web without my permission. They've been, or they sent it out to this company and that company. Or I've heard the horror stories where candidates got their resumes submitted to the companies they work for. 
Yeah, I have heard of that. And that's, that's just the actions of some recruiters who are either unprofessional, don't care, or they just see the resumes as pieces of paper or, or, or they just see numbers. They, they see $15,000, $25,000, or $30,000 placements. The thing about it is, now we talked about this before, mm-hmm. there's a code of conduct and there's a code of ethics in this industry. Yeah. Okay? And that's the argument that's going on. In fact, this is why I want to go back to where we were looking at, and we go back to ethics again. The companies are out there right now on this electronic record exchange where this woman, she puts an email, a question out on the on the net, and she says, uh, I kept calling into a company, and finally the HR manager said, don't call back, please leave us alone, quit calling into this company. She says, well, what next should I do? What's the next step? And so this is this where the conversation went from telling her what she might want to consider doing to now this huge conversation on ethics. Well, the companies are saying, look, recruiters, you know, we really are having a hard time with how you guys are being ambassadors to us. You guys, when we give you guys a, a, a job order and we ask you to represent us, you are our ambassador. And we really are getting kind of frustrated by the way you guys are treating us as companies where you get our information, where we want you to keep it confidential, and you broadcast it to the world when you're recruiting for us, or you're representing us, and you are saying, hey, I'm recruiting for ABC Company, I can get your cold calling into our competitor, and you're mentioning our name and making us look bad. So you companies know, just hire outside vendors who don't, who are not affiliated with their company to do it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of these like, dynamics that recruiters are not, you know, responding or respecting to these, you know, companies or candidates. So people are saying, look, the clients, the, the vendors, our clients are saying, hey, recruiters, we are getting tired and sick and tired of your behavior. We really want you to behave yourself. Well, some of these recruiters are saying, ah, bah, humbug. You know, we can do whatever we want because we're recruiters. how we make our money. You know, gosh, you know, it's free enterprise, it's free market, it's free this. So I said, look, you know, it's about respect. For example, take this example of the cop, this woman who's asking for advice. I said, look, first off, you're kind of, it's kind of, I don't know what kind of recruiting you were doing. Mm. I mean, you must have been harassing the hell out of these people for them to go to their HR manager and say, Joan, Joan um, from Joan from ABC Company is calling here all the time, and she keeps bugging us. Obviously, the way you were calling into the company was very offensive. They didn't appreciate you calling because they went to their HR manager. I mean, that was you kind of you didn't respect the fact that these people are working. You're calling in on their boss's diamond time, and you're not respecting the fact that they don't want to talk to you. They didn't obviously want to talk to you because they turned you into their boss or their HR manager, right? Well, you know what? It's funny you say that because I was reading this article and it was on Recruiting.com, and I'm trying to look for it now as we're speaking here. But basically, what it was was there was a, a, a consultant. He, I forgot the term he used. It was retention master or something. I don't know. But what he did was he went into companies and set up, helped them set up processes sort of for the specific purpose of turning away recruiters. Well, you know, I mean, that's where I call stupid recruiters teaching smart employers to be smarter than us. Okay? I mean, seriously. You keep doing stupid things, they're going to start learning how to try to be smarter than we are, Okay. I don't blame them. I mean, like one of the things that I said, hey, out of respect to the company that you're calling into, quit calling, don't call in there anymore, and quit bugging these people or call them at home. I said, it's this respectful thing to do, you know. And so then somebody said, well, I'll bite me. You should just go ahead and call it, okay. And I said, look, you know, 
let's use the word ethical behavior, okay? This is this considered be maybe considered unethical behavior. I'm not saying it is unethical, but it may be considered unethical behavior that you keep calling into a company and harassing people at work. And I said, you know, let's look at this situation. It may not be illegal to do it because it's not. There's no do not call list right now. I believe into because I call the I contact the FCC and there's no do not call list at this current time from my feedback from them for businesses. But if we continue this behavior, we perpetuate this behavior. Guess what? Guess what will happen? Mm. Eventually, there will be a do not call list into companies. If they ask you to stop, you're going to have to stop. See, I keep saying if we keep doing stupid behavior. If we keep perpetuating behavior that people are going to complete, be complained about, then laws will be created that will make our life difficult. I found the article I was talking about. It was um, actually was cited by Anthony Meany, who, mm-hmm. who people who read Recruiting.com uh, recognize that name. And I'm going to read a few lines of it. It's, it. His post was, The headhunter's newest enemy, the anti-poaching consultant. And it says, uh, Meet Larry uh, Bienatai, or ben- Benatai. I'm sorry if I'm like, <laughs> totally ruined the guy's name. Uh, but uh, but Larry is a principal with San Francisco-based human resources organization efficiency specialist, Consultants to Management Incorporated. Now, Larry is a former HR executive who now consults his clients around lost productivity. Big deal. Not a consultant, right? Well, mm-hmm. pay attention to Larry because he wants to make our job, uh, our job being recruiters, a lot more difficult. See, Larry's area of specialty is produ- productivity that companies lose through the activities of uh, <laughs> nasty headhunters. Things such as turnover and time spent going out on interviews, surfing job boards, or preparing resumes, which is, if done on company time, can result in lost productivity. Larry and Izilka are part of a new wave of anti-poaching strategies that companies are employing in order to prevent employee turnover. Now, some of these methods uh, can be as simple as having receptionists block calls from recruiters to having staff report any recruiting activities that are they are subject to. That's why that's been going on forever, right? So if somebody wants to pay somebody to do that, to teach them how to do this, well, okay, that's kind of duh. But, you know, actually, though, I do you blame? I remember reading that article. I remember the responses. Mm-hmm. People call these companies hypocritical for mm-hmm. doing this because they themselves are going ahead and recruiting themselves. Wait a minute. So people, so people will hire themselves out as anti-poaching consultants, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Train the company on different processes and strategies to keep other recruiters from calling on their people. Uh-huh. While they themselves do it. While they themselves they recruit the people that let's say say okay say anti-poaching consultant works for company X. Mm-hmm. They'll train company X on how to do things so that their people won't get poached. Mm-hmm. But then they'll turn around and recruit right out of company X themselves. Mm, pretty much. Okay, just for the record, I'm we're not, not speaking. No, no, okay, not wait, wait, wait. Just for record, wait, wait. Just for record, we're not specifically speaking of this guy, Larry. No, no, no. We're not saying. No, I'm not talking okay, about. Okay. No, no. Sorry. I'm just gonna put it out there. Uh, let me rephrase that. Okay. That um, company A will pay uh, Larry. Go ahead and teach him how to um, not predatory mm-hmm. recruit, and then they themselves will go ahead and recruit themselves. That's what the hypocrisy is. What the people were saying was hypocritical. And again, we're not speaking specifically of this Larry person. We're just no, 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 no. That Larry is not the one who's out there recruiting himself. Now, I'm not saying that Larry's recruiting. I'm just saying Company A is paying Larry to go ahead and teach them not to recruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, how not to be predatory hired, you know, against, you know, yeah. and yet then will turn around themselves. That Company A themselves will go ahead and pay recruiters to recruit for them. Now, see, I, I, look, I listened to, I mean, I've read some of this article, and, and one thing it did state was that um, some people were sort of laughing at these methods because, I, I think mean, it's funny myself. Yeah, how can you stop? I mean, it's a free country. You can't block people from calling. But 
one thing the article did cite was that some companies convinced some employers to turn into, for lack of a better word, narcs. And if if I'm in cube, I'm sitting in the cubicle down the hall, and I hear you talking to a recruiter, and mm-hmm. I start reporting you that I, I heard Karen was talking to a recruiter. Oh, yeah. And then they call into your office and call you. I mean, that just puts you in a bad situation. I was going to say something like but some that. Pe- but some people are buying into that, according well, to this article. I agree with them. I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm a company and I've paid a tremendous amount of money to train you, educate you, and get you up to speed, also paid the recruiter to bring you on, do you honestly think that I'm not going to try to protect my investment? I mean, seriously. So, so you, you advocate people narking on each other? I like, like if I, if I hear you, if I, best to go ahead and definitely maintain your investment. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you not going to narc on the guy who breaks into your neighbor's house? Yeah, sure, will. Okay, well, I mean, but but that but but see. Well, okay, I'm a recruiter. I mean, hold on a second. I am not against somebody being offered a new job. Right. I am not against recruiters offering another person another job. Right. I am not against a person going in and saying, "Hey, this person needs to have a, you know, this this is a great opportunity. Let's go put, you know, give this guy better health insurances, more money, whatever." Okay, mm. I'm not against that, but I also think there's a time and a place. You don't want to do it on the boss's time on the boss's dime. That's where I come back to the ethics and respect. Okay, so so your problem, your issue isn't isn't that. Uh, you want people to narc, just don't. You just want people to look for work on their own time, not on company time. Exactly. I but mean, your call, your boss is paying you eighty-five thousand dollars, or okay, let's say you're getting a hundred thousand uh, dollars, okay, a, a, a year. Right. Or let's even put it as high as a hundred bucks an hour. Right. Do you? It takes an hour to go ahead and speak to a recruiter on a general call. Okay. And so now you just gave your, you just threw, so your boss is a hundred dollars that on that hour. And then the recruiter calls you back, you go on the interviews, you're doing all that. All this is on your boss's time and boss's time. I'm saying, look, you can go ahead, get a good job, do all of this stuff, but don't do it on your boss's time and boss's time. All right, so what if, what if a recruiter calls and a person says, look, you know, this isn't a good time to talk. Can I get a number and call you right back? Fantastic. And they call you later on at home That's or something. right. That's how I do it. When I get a great candidate's name, hey, listen, I got your name. I don't want to do this in your boss's time. I don't want to do this in your boss's time. Give me another number to call you. Okay. Now say that happens. But then uh, I'm still overhear that, and I interpret that as being a recruiter just called you. And I didn't hear you say, I'm working, don't bother me. I heard hey, you say, you, call really? me later. All you did, so, all you, not really. So should I, wait, should, I, should I go to the employer and say, ooh, a recruiter just called Karen. So How would you know that? Because all you did is give me a telephone number and a name. I mean a number. That's it. Four o'clock, and here's my number. Okay, now what if what if you don't know I'm going to narc on you, and we're just talking and I'm passing? I'm just saying that how would you know that you how would you have known that I was speaking to a recruiter? I wouldn't, but what if you told me, and then and I went ahead and stabbed you, and I stabbed you in the back, and I stabbed you in the back, said, "Gary, talking to recruiters. She's talking to a recruiter." You know, there's, there's they, the, you know, again, then you could then the that, then the, the manager will come in and say, "Hey, what's going on? I heard you were talking to a recruiter." I could lie and say, "No, that's not true." That's true. I mean, is that part... But then would lying be ethical? No, lying wouldn't be But you know what? What? If I do it off of your time, it ain't none of your business. If I'm doing it off this work time, that's your your business. If it ain't, but if I'm doing it on my personal time, it ain't your business. Well, let me me ask you this then. How far would you go to protect your investment, as you say? Now, I know some companies, as a general rule, they they, um, do a little peekaboo on emails. 
which, yeah. which is, you know, practice. Oh, hell okay, yeah. Okay, now, now, let me ask you this. What if they started just arbitrarily monitoring the telephone calls, which I know some companies do. They do, and they have the right, and it's been proven that they have the right. It's been proven that they have a right to just pick up the phone and eavesdrop on what you're saying. Oh, hell yes. Really? Yes, it is. They have the right. They also have the right to put little monitors on your cars, too, and your cell phone that you Wait, have. on my car? Oh, do you, what do you oh, think? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, if it's, a, if it's a company car or my yeah, personal company car? Company car, company car. Okay. They yeah, I can see that company car. They technicians and installers all the time. They know where you've been and how you've been there. What about that cell phone that you have? Do you know that they know where you've been? They have tracking devices on cell phones, too? So you know where you've been naughty or nice, so it'll be good for goodness sake? Exactly. You're on my time. You're on my dime. I'm watching what my investment is. I'm not saying it's completely right. This is to me, it is kind of a big brotherish, okay? Very much so. So you're saying that once you assign an offer letter, um, you you have um, uh, the company brand on your on your behind there, and they own you. You know, people. I love this when people laugh. I laugh so hard when people say companies don't own you. <laughs> companies don't own people, really. They own your thoughts, intellectual property. Try to leave a company that you're at and go work for another company and take that idea to that company. And not when you were when you had the idea in your head while you were working at company A, mm. you gave it to company B, see what happens to you. Well, that's why you sign these little pieces exactly. of paper before and after. Exactly. The thing about it is the non-compete. moment you sign that contract, mm. non-disclosure, non-compete, um, intellectual property, all that stuff, the moment you sign that contract, Yes, they own you. They do own you. But you don't have no, you can't get angry at them because nobody put a gun to your head to sign that contract. You chose to sign that contract because you chose to win the work there. So if anyone is listening and they're feeling confined by their employer because of this, I guess the best advice is start your own business? No, because they can still come after you for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, the... The fact is, if you you just gotta realize, you know, there's there's kind of things that let's go back to ethics again. Mm. How respect, respect of your boss, respect of other people's time, respect of other of standards, respect of disrespect in general. To me, I look at ethics. I S E C T. Tell me what you mean to. That's right. I look at ethics as respect. Oh, that was a bad song. No, I is. Okay, I'll be on American Idol next week. Go ahead. I look at ethics and business. Now, I'm not talking about personal ethics. I'm talking about business ethics. Business ethics in every country is pretty much the same. Mm. It's that handshake. You know when you put that handshake and you've got a contract that you sign, you know, it's not literally a hand. Uh, it's a verbal contract mm. or you understand what a contract is. I could have a contract in America, send it to China, and they'll understand what the legalese on that is, Okay. I mean, contracts and, and business ethics is like business contract. It's a standard. It's something that commitment. It's a verbal uh, commitment to say, I uphold to these types of standards in business. Let me switch gears in a little bit. Let you me don't switch. like the word ethics. Okay. No, 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 no. Hey, I, I like the word <laughs> ethics. I'm an ethical guy. Ethics, go ahead. No, 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 because I know sometimes you get a little passionate, which is good. Okay. Which is okay. good. You know, brings okay. out the fire okay. in you. Wow. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> I am called the queen of ethics. The ethics queen. Right? The ethics queen. That's good. Not a bad thing. You could be known for worse, but okay. uh, I okay. won't put your business in the street. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I got this email the other day from this person um, who um, who gave me, sent me their resume, and, and their qualifications were a little iffy to me. I looked on the education, mm. and it said they were, a, I don't want to put their name out there, but Ooh. it was part of a certain institution which I suspected, um, okay, I pretty much know they're fake, you know. 
And when I saw this, it made me think about um, a couple other things. Sometimes you see these emails that fly around uh, that say, you know, you don't have a degree, well, you can get one overnight for X amount of dollars, and uh, you have your degree overnight. If you have the experience, well, you've already oh. earned the degree. Oh, you, know? you got right, right. Yeah, I love this one. Yeah, you know? Another great conversation. Okay. I love it. I want to just say it nice and simple. Okay. Anyone can acquire a degree in today's marketplace, okay? Mm-hmm. You can purchase degrees like anything else. So mm-hmm. I'm say it. it ain't a degree unless it comes from an accredited college. Mm-hmm. And there are official sites that you can check to see if the school is accredited or non-accredited and if it's legit. Now, for example, there are these uh, degrees that people are buying right now. Well, not really buying, okay? But they're offering these bogus degrees based upon your professional experience. So if you've been working 15 years, they, by their uh, estimation, you've earned a degree already because you've been doing the job 15 years or something like that. Correct. Right. They say, for example, that um, that your personal professional experience will allow you to get a bachelor's or a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And basically it takes two to three weeks. You may have to take a few tests, basically. These tests are really simple. Two right. to three, but you get two, your degree in two to three weeks. Right. Now, there's also these there's some these schools that are also saying that they're accredited universities based um they're accredited by the International Accredited Agency for Online Universities. Okay. Now when you look up I A A O U, that's the acronym for it. Sometimes why. Okay, and you'll find that they're an unapproved accrediting body. Mhm. And that these bodies are not approved by the U.S. Department of Education. Now, how many recruiters are going to go through the per prospect, the process of looking up schools? Well, all you guys do look at to see where they're saying that they're like. For example, this, there's a university called Belford University. Belford, spell that out. B E L F O R D. Belford University. And they're the ones that said they're accredited by the International Accredited Agency for Online Universities. Now, I've seen a lot of really official-looking universities that are all saying that they're part of the IAAOU. Well, I kept thinking, like, these schools look really professional, dude. I mean, they look really hot, man. And I'm like, dude, I got all this experience, man. I could go ahead and get my my uh, my bachelor's degree for all that per- per- personal and professional experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these schools look really professional. And they all say, yes, we are accredited. We are accredited by a- IAOUU. Oh, so spell it out. I'm going to look it up while we're talking. It what? is the, okay, again, international. Hold on. So I'm, I'm looking. What's the address, the URL? I uh, believe it is IAAOU, the International Accredited Agency of Online University. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at it now. And so these guys, are the, they look really official, right? Hmm. Well, when you go to U.S. Department of Education, Mm-hmm. And you look up any of these accreditation, they give you a list of all these school, um, these uh, accredited places like this, like IAAOU. Mm-hmm. They give you all these lists of people who are not accredited organizations. Oh, so this organization again, IAAOU. It is not approved by the U.S. Department of Education. So any school that's affiliated or supposedly affiliated with IAAOU.org is a fake. So to speak. So to speak, yeah. Now, there's another place that's called credentialwatch.org. I'm looking them up, too. Credentialwatch. 
dot org. Now, if you go forward slash non forward slash agencies dot shtml, they have a really great article that says, "Be wary of non recognized accreditation agencies," which is what I A O I A A O U is. It's a non recognized accredited university agency. Okay, hold on, I got the wrong. I got okay, I got credential watch dot org slash non slash agencies. Uh-huh. Dot .shtml Oh, I've got the s dot .shtml Now, these guys also are saying, hey, you know, I mean, this one has a nice list of all these agencies that call themselves accredited agencies. Oh, I'm looking at it here. I see the Accrediting Commission International, based in Arkansas, mm-hmm. American Association of International hey, Medical Graduates. When you look at this list, some of those names sound really professional. There's one in there from oh. Washington, D.C. Yeah, I see yeah. that. I mean, they've got a couple there from Washington, D.C. and Virginia. You know what You know what recruiters should do, uh-huh. or especially corporations? Uh-huh. They should go to this page. Let me say this webpage again. Credentialwatch.org slash non slash agencies dot shtml. And I'll put a link to it with the podcast. They should take this list of fake schools and, like, go through their ATS system and see, ooh, who comes up. Ouch. It, I mean, you that could be ugly. Some of the things that come up. That could be ugly. What now, if you did a search and you found out your CEO was from there? Now, if you want to find that, that, hold, that would be a good one to look. Ooh. Now, another place to look for information is mm. if you want to get some good information, also go to www.ope.ed. Hold on, www.ope.ed.gov.gov. Yes, forward slash accreditation. Accreditation. Ah, so I'm looking at here. Now you're looking at a government site, so you know this is legit. Yeah. Okay, that's another. Well, I like going to the government sites. I always, when I look at information, I like to go to like the FTC or FCC and ask them directly. Mm. Get it from the horse's mouth because I don't always believe everything I see on the internet. Okay, I mean, mm-hmm. just like, for example, I mean, let's go in with that, too. Let's look at people who keep saying, oh, I love looking at people's blogs because they get more information about candidates from their blogs than you get from a resume. And I'm like, are you guys kidding? Do you guys always believe everything you see on the Internet, man? I mean, a perfect example of that, okay, I mean, I was just reading another blog. I think the guy's name is Amy, really guy, good guy. Mm-hmm. And he had a Amatized? Amitai, yeah. Oh, yeah, good guy. I know him. Really great guy. And he had a, a nice blog about people lying, how people mm-hmm. can't really lie. And this one guy had posted on there saying that basically he he what he says on his blog is nothing like who he is. It's not his personality. It's not really his. He puts on a persona. Mm. Well, just recently I was reading about why blogs are so awesome right now. Right. And the words were because blogs are reality TV. And then I thought about Amorosa. Now, everybody remembers Amorosa, don't they? <laughs> from now, anybody from The Apprentice. It's from The Apprentice. She yeah. was one of the people who were fired, and she was one of those fixings where everybody hated her. Right. Well, they did an interview with her one time, and they said, Amorosa, are you really that nasty? And she said, no, I play up for the TV. It's a role I was playing. I knew it was on TV, and I put up a persona. That's well, how she made her money. That's where she made her money. Well, that's exactly how people do too. People make blogs by, you know, making personas. Well, I don't. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if everybody's. Blog. I don't know if everybody's quite that cunning. Well, you gotta remember too. People make money off of blogs, right? True. 
And what makes what creates more money for a blog? Controversy. Controversy. So sometimes the person might go ahead and just create chaos, anarchy, just so that they could create more controversy so they can get more people coming to their blog. Of course, that could work against you, like in the case of Alex Vayner, um, the, yeah. uh, the guy who um, made the fake video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He caused the crap quite a stir for himself. He sure did. I mean, and uh, you think, I mean, the fact that he's also going into a very interesting industry, financial, yeah. conservative, very highly conservative. I think they, I think he shoot that, that chance goodbye now. Yeah, he did. I mean, you know, for somebody to want to take a chance on somebody like that, you know, I mean, you know, people are getting some really strange advice on the Internet. I see, you know, where did this guy get the idea of doing a blog and a video um, and sending it out to something as such a conservative Well, well actually, actually, um, that's actually a, pick, it's a trend that's picking up. A lot of people are posting their their um, their videos of themselves to sort of, cut a, sort of get ahead of other candidates. Uh, in that way, I know uh, I know of companies that promote that and are doing pretty well by that, and well, some yeah. that are doing it legitimately and are getting very positive results. Yeah. Again, let's go back. It comes down to the industry you're in. Hmm. Alex going into something as highly in banking and financial, that's not going to cut it for the legal industry. And then you know, working for one of those high executive Wall Street type firms, it ain't going to cut it. So if someone is I mean, so if someone is so if someone is like say they're in. Uh, journalism, and they want to be the anchor anchor person. So it makes sense to them to have a video resume because that's basically what you're going to see yeah, on CNN or whatever. Yeah, you would. You'd want to do that to show, hey, I, I mean, look at me, look what I can do. Look at how I can do this. Look at me, Mama, you know, or an advertising. You know, you want to show some kind of work that you've done in advertising. That's a great idea. So, long, so if it's in the arts or entertainment division, then that's sort of, you see that as being acceptable. But if you're looking for work outside of that kind of arena. Well, that's, again, that's still too broad of a brush. I mean, we can't just get a big broad paintbrush and start painting, out, playing, painting outside the lines and saying, this is it, you know. Mm. It's going to come down to a lot of industries. It's kind of like also the resume. Some resumes are okay to be two pages long. Some are better to be one pages long. And there are some industries where you should have six to ten pages long a resume. Okay? Yeah, Alex Vayner's resume was 11 pages. Well, you know, but depending on what <laughs> you're looking for, I mean, I'm telling you right now, mm. some lawyers will want to have about, you know, a couple pages with some briefs that they've done, okay? Well, if you're a lawyer, you expect to have 11 pages of anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, I mean, it's seriously, it's like you know that, you know, for example, in financial and if you're going to be a CEO or CFO, sometimes they're going to want you to do some examples and briefs and what, do you, what have you done. Show me what you can do, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And so sometimes a resume can be acceptable as a PhD. Let's say you're going in as for a job as a PhD in a science laboratory. Right. They may want you to have a six page letter resume to show what you've done and how you can do it, okay? Yeah. Now but if you're gonna be a technician and you've only had one job, do you really need a two page resume? Mm, no. Exactly. So when I hear people say to people, Oh, you should have this resume, you should have this in your resume, you have to have this it comes down to industry. I mean, there's so much generic stuff out there that I keep seeing people reading, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. Mm. I mean, I work in an industry that's called heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, but I deal with some technicians all the way to sea level. That's where all the glamour jobs are. The sea level? <laughs> HVAC. Oh, yeah, right. There you go. Okay, I was going to say, what? Ooh, the heating, ventilation. Oh, there it rocks. There you go. 
But you know, when I look at resumes, some people will ask me. I heard they will. I will see some resumes, and mm. a guy will have cut his resume down to a page and a half because he was advised by a recruiter, or he was he paid someone, and they told him only put this on his resume, only have this on his resume, only have this on his resume. And I'm like, no, you can't do that in this industry. You are, for example, I need to see quantitative. I need to see qualitative. I need to see what you save, what you haven't saved. I need to see how many people you've managed, how many people you didn't manage. You need to give me everything, and it needs to be nice bullet points, and I need to be able to read it really fast. And by the way, I need to know the kind of projects you've worked on. So if you can give me a project list, that's even fantastic, because that's the type of job you're working in. So that speaks to, I guess, to resume writers who prepare resumes for their clients. Uh, whoever picks a resume writer, you speak someone who's worked with, um, a particular industry, like if I'm a resume writer, and I should be able to say I've written so many for the HVAC industry, so you should go with me if that's the industry you're in. Is that what you're? Is that what I'm picking up from you? Or? Um, I'm just saying that if you're a resume writer, kind of know the industries that you're writing for. Okay. Understand what your client is dealing in, because you can't just say one one resume fits all. It's not like one shoe fits all. You can't do that. You know, you've got to be able to say, look, we need to use this type of format, because some formats for the person with job history that's a job jumper, you can't use the same format that you can use with a person who's got a solid job history. Right, right. You want to make sure that you're working with that person and they and, and you understand where they're coming from, where they've been, and what they need to have show and express to that client, to the company, when they're looking for the job. And then also, they should have more than one job, more, more than one resume. I've got people who are branch managers, but who are also sales managers. And I always tell them, have two separate resumes. Um, and by the way, take away the objective. Do not have an objective in your resume. The objective, objective is evil. Oh, those are the most worst things. So that will, I mean, I had one candidate, he wanted to be, he said on his resume, he wanted to be a vice president. Hmm. And he had been a vice president, too. And the clients, because they saw that, even though he was willing to become a general manager, Okay. He pigeonholed himself to only that he particular role. He pigeonholed himself only to that. Right. The person who says, I want to be a sales manager, but he could be a general manager because he had P&L experience, et cetera. Mm. These people see that first, and they go, next. People don't. People read what, I mean, managers. Well, they don't want to read for one. They want to see exactly what they want to see. Exactly. I mean, we got to remember, managers read your resumes in less than 30 seconds. Right. If that long. If that long, you got 30 seconds to prove who you are. So make sure you, when you write $35,000 or $35 million or whatever, make sure that word 35 sticks out as a 3-5. Don't spell it out. Yeah. Always put numbers, okay, how did we get to here? But anyways, <laughs> well, this is a complete circle. Yeah, so we've you, gone all over the place. And you know what? I, I think I'm going to have to uh, step out the lounge for a minute now because I got some some interesting things in my DVR. I got, uh, I got Lost and uh-huh. I got Heroes. And uh, Heroes is a new show, and it's like one of my favorite shows, man. So you love to go watch Heroes now. I love Heroes. And whoever whoever um, is unaware of Heroes, go check it out. It is one of the best shows on television. Okay, well, you're three opinion. hours ahead of me, so I guess you could tell me what happened. I won't have to watch. Well, it, actually, it came it came on already. It comes on twice. It comes on Monday on ABC, and then it comes on uh, Thursday on the Sci Fi Channel. And I'm, I move around and I, I stay pretty busy. So I, so one thing I love about having a DVR is that I can watch it when I want. So this is my night to catch up on on uh, Lost and, and Heroes and The Office. I would love to see what the title of this is going to be. This is one of the most interesting 
I think this is probably one of the best ones we've had, probably. This is one of the best ones we've had because this is really good. I mean, okay, well, cool. This is a hodgepodge of recruiting. And, yes, you got me off of ethics several times. Okay. Oh, you noticed that. Okay, you know what? But I'm going to close with something, okay? Uh-oh, okay. I am going to say something. Sockage and up. this is written by John Gibson, AAPG mm. Ethics Leader. Do I need to put some music on in the background? Oh, no, no, that's okay. Okay. He says, Basically, ethics ultimately is self-regulation. Imposed regulation is law. So in our industry, when we don't self-regulate, we create laws. And if you wait too, if you wait to teach a person ethics when they go, when they're in college, you've waited too long. Education alone can't make a person ethical, but ethics can be outgrowth, an outgrowth of, and demonstrate itself as responsible decision making. That that was beautiful, and that's how we're going to close the lounge. <laughs> I had to do this because I'm sorry. No, that was really good. There we go. Movement today. Okay. No, 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 no. That's good. That was good. I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, so, um, if you have any questions, let me just let me just throw this little little bit in here for people who are still listening at this point. Uh, <laughs> if you have any questions or show ideas uh, for the Curtis Lounge, uh, give me a buzz. You can reach me at uh, Jim Stroud. That's G I M S T R O U D at jimstroud.com. And you can address it either myself or to Karen, and uh, we'll address it here on the show as well. Also notice that on the um, the blog post where this podcast is, there's a link uh, to where you can click it, like you do any other link, and it will take you to a spot where you can leave an audio message. And if you decide to leave us an audio message, we may uh, play it on the next Recruiter's Lounge. So um, if all hearts and minds are clear, Karen, let's say anything else before we go. No, I had fun today. Okay, it was good for me too. Yeah, cool. It was purging. <laughs> it was very purging for me. <laughs> See you next time on the Recruiters Lounge. Bye bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J I M S T R O U D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on... Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.